We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. The church is an organism. It's not an organization. It's a living, breathing entity. And in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is going to explain how this church is a living, breathing entity by giving us an anatomy lesson that he likens the church to a body. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and starting in verse 12, he sets the stage to remind us how we can love our body, not this physical body, but this physical body, this spiritual body of the church. And there are ways that we love the place where God has placed us and love the body that we are a part of. And the question is, how did we get here? Not how did you get into the pew that you're sitting in this morning or in the mode of transportation, but how did we get into the body in the first place? Well, he says in chapter 12, verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, that's the image I want you to keep as we go through this passage of Scripture. One body, many parts. Many parts, one body. One body, what? Many parts, many parts, one body. That's what Paul wants to get across in this passage. But all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. And so Paul now is setting the stage to say, you look at your physical body if you want to understand the body of Christ, the church, the believers that all who confess Jesus are part of this church. He says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. How many spirits are there? There is one Holy Spirit. How many lords are there? There is one Lord. How many bodies are there? There is one body. The Corinthians were living in this pluralistic culture where there were many gods and they could offer sacrifices to whichever god they wanted to offer them to or offer service. And Paul reminds us at the beginning of chapter 12, you don't offer your service to different lords. There's only one Lord. How many lords is over us? One. How many bodies? One. How many spirits? There is one. And he says, for we were all baptized by what? One spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so Paul is giving this picture of the church. And it goes against our individualistic attitude that we can have toward the church sometimes that or toward our relationship with Jesus that it's just about Jesus and me and Paul says no when you become a believer you are baptized into Christ you are baptized with what one spirit but it's the same spirit who brought all of us into this body so no matter where you come from Paul uses whether different cultures or different socioeconomic status or different ethnicities wherever you come from there's only one spirit there's only one body there's only one way to get in it's by the name of jesus and so what paul is doing is he's saying we need to be careful not to be so individualistic that we feel that it is just me and jesus because he says there is one spirit one body and many parts You are just one of the parts, but you are not the part. And in yourself, in your entirety, you do not make up the entirety of what it means to be in the body of Christ. 
So what Paul is going to do, is, and that's what I want him to do for us this morning, is to encourage us, is to encourage you. Because I know sometimes we feel that there's the church and then there's me. Like, have you ever felt that way? Like, here's this, here's this body of Christ and then, then there's me. And somehow that I'm not connected and somehow I'm separated, some, somehow I'm over here. And Paul was going to encourage us to say, no, 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 no. There is the body, and there's not the body and you. It's all together. Many parts form one body. So there are some things that Paul's going to encourage us with this morning. How we, can, how we can love the body, how we can love the body that he's placed us in. And the first thing that he wants to tell us is this, is you belong to the body. You belong to the body. Now, I know it's easy when we talk about belonging and and the body of Christ, that we always think these things are for someone else. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound counterintuitive for a minute. But I just said that sometimes we're too in, we are too individualistic when we view ourselves in the body. But I want you to be individualistic for just a minute. <laughs> and I want you, when it says you belong to the body, I want you to think about you. You belong to the body. You know, we say God, God loves the world, and sometimes we think, well, that's for everybody else and not for me. Have you ever felt that way? Or God's forgiveness is for everybody else. Or God's peace is for everybody else. Or, God, or the joy of the Lord is for everybody else. And somehow there's everybody else and then there's me. And what Paul wants to do is he wants to pull us in and say, no, this is for you too. So no matter who you are, where, what you feel like, where you come from, if you are in Christ, if you've been baptized by this one spirit, you've been added to this one body. And so the very first thing is, he says, you belong. How does he say that? Look at verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. See what, what Paul's doing already? He's saying we have this foot, which is a part, and then we have the hand, which is a part, and the foot somehow feels like it doesn't belong. But Paul says, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Paul says, just because the foot says that you don't, that you're not the hand, that you don't belong, Paul says, it doesn't matter what you think, that doesn't change the reality that you're, that you're not part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Now, how did you get into the body of Christ? You were what? In, when you confess Christ and you were baptized into Christ, it wouldn't say, the Lord adds you to the body. Jesus is the one who brings you into the body. The indwelling spirit, right, brings us into the body. When you're, then when you're in the body, Paul says, whatever you think, that doesn't undo the reality that you're still part of the body. Sometimes we can feel that way in our homes. We feel like we're not part of the family. And there's a lot of dynamics there, I understand. But that doesn't mean we're not part of the family. They're just situations and things happen. And so Paul is wanting to uh, encourage these Corinthians, and he wants to encourage us as well. He says in verse 17, he shows the ridiculousness of wanting to be like somebody else. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them. See what he's doing? God, singular, has placed the parts, plural, in the body, singular, every one singular of them, plural. See what Paul just did? All the single 
parts got into the one body by the same God, and now we're part of the same body, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. What does he say? Many parts, how many bodies? One. And so Paul is reminding us that you belong to the body. Now he starts his argument, he starts his analogy, not with the domineering parts, but he starts with the parts who are questioning whether they belong to the body. It's it's, it's Paul's pastoral heart. He's looking at the Corinthians and he says, I know in this Corinthian church that there are some people who feel like they don't belong because they don't look like someone else or they don't act like someone else or they don't have the giftedness of someone else. uh, They're not uh, uniquely uh, talented like someone else. And Paul says, I understand the frustration that you feel like because you're not like somebody else that you don't belong. And so what Paul does is he starts with these parts of the body who are maybe feeling a little nervous, anxious, or or feeling a little disconnected and says, listen, just because you feel that way doesn't mean that you're not part of the body. It just means that you as a foot, you're not a hand. So quit trying to be a hand because God made you a foot. And if you are an eye, are you trying to be an ear? Just because you're not an ear doesn't mean you don't belong. He says you are an eye and you should celebrate and be the eye that's part of the body. And if we're not careful, as we live in the body, we sometimes are envious about what other people are or they do. And we say, I want to be like them. Oh, if if only I could do whatever. You fill in the blank. Oh, oh if I could only uh, minister like so-and-so. Oh, if I could only have the talent of so-and-so. Oh, if I only could do. And what are we saying in that process is, we're saying, because I'm not them, somehow I don't belong. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Who made you an eye in the body? Who made you an ear in the body? Who made you a foot in the body? God did. Isn't that what he says? He says in verse 18, but the fact is, Paul's going back to the facts again, regardless of how we feel. The fact is, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So if you are a part of the body of Christ and you are an eye, it's because God knew that the body needed an eye and put you in the body as an eye. If you are a foot, that means God knew and made, and made you the foot. And so what happens is, sometimes if we, we feel like we don't belong because we are envious of what other people are. Paul says, how ridiculous would this be if the entire body were an eye? Your body is made up of many parts. Some of those parts are probably hurting right now. <laughs> Some of those parts in the morning, it takes a long time to get all the parts moving in the same direction, doesn't it? All the creaks and cranks and squeaks and moans and groans, but we all know our body's made of many parts. And because of that, Paul says, that's what makes you dynamic. That's what makes you who you are. But if you were just a big eyeball sitting there today, you would not be a body. You would just be a eyeball. And Paul said, no, I want you to be a body. And so in the church, we, can, we tend to want to be what other people are. And because we're not what other people are, we say, I don't belong. I really don't have a place. And Paul wants to pull us back to say, listen, 
whatever place you have in the body is that you belong, whatever that is. Because your body has all those parts, and it needs all those parts. What would happen to you right now if your body didn't have a heart? You'd be dead. What would happen right now if your feet decided to say, you know what? Nobody can see me right now because I'm under this pew. I am done. I'm out of here. Everybody can see heads and shoulders and arms and hands, everybody, but nobody can see me. And because I want to be and I'm done, what would happen to your body? You'd fall down when you stood up because your feet were gone. And so that's what Paul says about the churches. We need feet and we need hands and we need eyes and we need ears and we need all of those things working together. Because in Corinth, that there was this, this, um, th- these associations and these, these spiritual guilds and these, these communities that had a sense of superiority and inferiority. And so what Paul is wanting to do is saying that there is no superior or there is no outstanding, but that everybody is needed and, and, and belongs in this body. And so it's God who puts them. Unity does not mean uniformity. Your body is a unit, but it's not all just eye, and it's not all just hand. It's it's all the parts working together. And so we have to be very careful in our own lives as we look at as we're part of the body, is to say, I don't need to minister like other people. I don't need to contribute like other people. God has placed me to do something here, and you belong. What happens if your liver just decides to go on strike right now? Your body needs it. And when I don't understand I belong, when I don't understand that God has placed me here, and when I think that I need to look like everyone else, I start to feel like I don't belong. And then what happens? I don't love my body anymore. I kind of go off. Because the second thing Paul wants us to know is that you are needed by the body. You are needed. What does he say? He goes in verse 21, and he says, The eye cannot say to the hand. What does the eye want to say to the hand? I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God, again, he says what? God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Paul says this, that you are needed in the body. That, that he's correcting the Corinthians' attitude that they can go on this, in this Christian life on their own. Do you know what happens if you are, if you are placed as a, as a hand in the body of Christ? You belong and you are needed. And what happens if, if, the hand, if you decide as a hand not to function? Somebody's going to miss your ministry. We always look at it backwards and we say, well, what can I get out of church? And I, you know, it doesn't matter if I go. No, no, no. You need to look at it the other way. That somebody needs what you have. And if you aren't there to function, you are robbing somebody else of the need that they have that God has uniquely put you in the body for. It could just be as simple as compassion, as listening, 
as crying with those who cry and rejoicing with those who rejoice. That's needed. Did you ever need someone just to sit with you, not say anything, and just cry? Just hand you a tissue? What is that? That's that, bo- that's that part of the body functioning as the part that God placed them in. They are the hand who's passing you the tissue. And if you as the hand say, I'm not going to function, you are not there to pass the tissue to someone and they are missing out on your ministry. You are needed in the body of Christ. Not only do you belong, but you are needed. And Paul goes through, it's it's really a rather humorous illustration when you think about it. He says, if the head said to the feet, I don't need you, when the head says to the feet, I don't need you, and the body gets up and tries to walk, and it falls down, and the head cracks itself on the sidewalk, all of a sudden it's going to say what? Oh, I did need the feet. (laughs) Because that's how I get from one place to the other. Because the head by itself can't get from one place to the other. It needs the feet. What do the feet need? The feet need the legs. What do the legs need? The legs need the rest, right? It all works together. And so in the body of Christ, you are needed. And if I am not loving my body, if I'm not loving the body God has placed me in, and love is at what self-sacrificial service, if I'm not loving this body, someone is missing out on what I can offer. If your kidneys say, I'm not functioning today, the rest of the body, what? suffers. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, we can't say to one another, I don't need you. First of all, because none of us is self-sufficient. We all need something that someone else has to give. We all do. None of us, none of us has it all. We all, we need something that someone else has to offer. And so Paul, again, is, is going against this grain of this rugged individualism, this, this that, I, that I can go it alone, that, that I don't, don't need anyone. And Paul says, if you think that is true, just look at your own body. And say, well, I'm not as important as another part of the body. And so Paul does this little thing back and forth with the, with the dishonorable parts and the honorable parts. And so Paul says this, everybody, everybody has these private parts that we treat with honor and dignity and respect. And because even, even though no one can see them, even though they are hidden from view, even though they don't get all the attention, what do we do? They still, in a way, have more honor because we treat them with, we treat them with special respect. And so Paul is even using these, these kind of visual parts of the body, the parts we see and even the parts we don't see. And he's saying even the parts we don't see, we still honor in a special way. You are needed in the body of Christ. In the Roman, Roman urban setting of Corinthians, they were, they were just mesmerized with the recognition and bestowal of honor. And so Paul argues about the body, and he, he argues about these less honorable places in the body, and he gives them special honor. So the Corinthians could totally understand this. They totally understood what it means to have honor and not. Banquets were held, statues and inscriptions were erected, crowns were awarded, oration was given. That's what the culture did to honor these places and these people. And so what Paul does is he has this novel new view of the church. Do you know what culture does? Culture says these people who have all the, all the celebrity and the fame, they're the ones we honor. But Paul says, listen, in the body of Christ, because everyone's needed, 
We honor even the parts that seem less honorable, the parts that you don't see, the parts that are not on display. So your ministry is needed in the body of Christ, whether or not anybody ever sees it. Whether or not anybody gives you honor, it's still needed. Now you're going to, somebody's going to benefit from that. Somebody's going to see it, but it doesn't need to be this big flashy kind of over the top thing. And so what Paul says is that even parts of our body that are treated less honorably, we still treat them with honor and respect. And so in the body of Christ, we understand this. So he was addressing the Corinthians' ignorance about the body of Christ. Look what he says in in verse 24. He says, Our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has what? Put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. It's God is responsible for the, what? The, the, The diversity of the body, of the different functioning of the body. And so the church should have this lesson from the way we treat our bodies. Those who appear to be weak, and, 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 and lowly esteem by normal uh, cultural uh, estimations receive special honor. Well, what does this mean? It means I love my body. I love the church. I, I, I know that I have this place and that I'm needed, but also part of the other side of that is that I can, I can honor and, and give thanks to people who do things that I don't normally see. If you are if you come on during the week and clean the bathrooms, would you stand up, please? I'm, am I speaking a foreign language? If you come and clean up, Elmira, Miss Margaret, Miss Goldie, stand up. Stand up. No, I'm serious. What's wrong? Stand up. Give these ladies a hand. Come on. What is it? All right. Thank you, ladies. It wasn't a trick. If you go in the bathroom and there's feces scrawled on the wall, you would miss these ladies. But you know what? They're clean because these ladies come and they clean. Is it, a, is it an honorable thing? Only when we make them stand up when they don't want to. But if they didn't function, we would know something's wrong. You would walk it like, whoa, what does that smell? What is all this stuff? That's what Paul's talking about. Paul's saying we, we have these less honorable parts that we don't necessarily see. Are they needed? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what he's saying is don't ever discount your ministry. Don't ever discount what you do because you are needed. And if you don't do what you're, what you're doing, somebody's going to miss it. No matter, listen. You should be more thankful that the ladies come on Friday than that I'm here on Sunday. You really should. Why? Because if they're not here, it's really going to stink. And so we, Paul says, in the body. And we think that's funny. Why? Because we think that some positions are more important than others. It's not that we're all needed. And so whatever part you have to play in the body, you are needed. And you love your church by Uh, by fulfilling that place, no matter... Listen, there is no place to say, I'm just a... I just run the vacuum. I just clean the bathrooms. I just... um, Have you ever noticed in the summer that the place doesn't look like a hay field around here? Do you know why? Because there's guys that come and mow the grass. Unless you're driving by and see them mowing, you wouldn't know that. But give a couple weeks without them mowing, and what what would happen? You drive in, you're like, man... 
<laughs> Somebody needs to mow that grass. And so you never say, I'm just a, I'm just a mower. I'm just a cleaner. I'm just, no, 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 no. It'd be like your body, your kidney saying, I'm just a kidney. I don't really need, nobody sees me. Nobody, right? Nobody, no. Or, or, your, or your liver says, I'm just a liver. No. And so that's what Paul's telling us. You are needed in the body of Christ. One commentator said this. Contemporary churches and Christian organizations and institutions need to pay close attention to this teaching of Paul. Often the tendency is to showcase the most successful Christians who have won achievement awards, excelled in gaining wealth, or risen to prominent positions in government, entertainment, or book publishing. These members often are appointed as church leaders or college trustees. Instead, without ignoring these parts, we should look for those who have less visibility yet have displayed unusual faithfulness, especially through suffering and loss, who have given away great wealth, are self-effacing, have showed restraint in material possessions, exhibited downward mobility in seeking to serve Christ, and are filled with the fruit of the Spirit despite relative obscurity. These and others like them should be our main showcase examples in the church. When's the last time that you ever went to a Christian convention, if you ever go, and they just have some Joe Schmo that you never heard of before? Oh, no, it's the guy who's got the books and the website and all that stuff. Why? Because we showcase. And, and Paul is saying, we need to start showcasing and honoring the people who do the faithful thing every day. Who faithfully show up and serve. Who faithfully minister. Who faithfully do the thing and in our culture, that celebrity obsessed in the church, we cannot be celebrity, celebrity obsessed. That's what Paul's saying. He says there are those invisible parts that are just as needed. In your Core 52 reading this week, you're going to learn how to be happy. The Bible talks about happiness. It's the word blessed. And did you know that when you serve, that when you are helpful, it releases serotonin in your brain, and serotonin is the happiness chemical. So you want to be more happy in your life? Here's how you do it. You serve. It doesn't matter if you serve the prince or the pauper or anybody in between. It's just the fact of serving. That when you serve, literally your brain reacts by releasing this chemical, and it's the, chem it's the happiness chemical. And I can show you people who are miserable because they're not serving. Do you know what miserable, the root word of miserable is? Miser. What's a miser? It's all mine, 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 mine. But those who serve, those who minister to others, what happens? They're happy. You will be happy because of that. I'm not going to talk about these ladies all morning, but if you ever come by when they're cleaning the bathrooms, you know what they're doing? They're in there grumping and complaining, and why do I have to do No, they're singing, and they're rejoicing, and they leave, right? Why? Because they released all the serotonin in their braids, and they leave happy, even though they came in, maybe not so happy. That's what happens when we serve. And so Paul understands that. Paul knows that when we serve in the body and we love our body, what happens? So if you're not happy, it could be that you're not serving, or self-serving. So if you want to be happy, all you do is serve someone. 
You minister and do your thing. The last thing that Paul says is what? You are to be concerned for the body. He says that in verse 24. He says, God has placed the parts that lacked it and says, so that so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. What does he say? Equal concern. We have this we have this concern for what? All those in the body of Christ. And listen, I know that it happens that there are more popular people in churches than other people. And Paul say, no, 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 no. That may work that way down at the Corinthian Kiwanis Club, but that doesn't work that way in the body of Christ. You have equal concern for each other. It doesn't matter if you have 500 letters after your name and diplomas down to your belly button. You have the same amount of con- the same concern for that person as the person who dropped out of school. You do. And if we're not careful, we start to elevate people and have more concern for the popular people. Listen, sometimes church is no worse than high school. Paul says, no, we're having none of that. You have equal concern for each other. Why? He says, because, he says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. He says, there is this, there is this thing of, of if. If one part suffers, that, that we are to suffer with it. It's the body's response to pain. You know what that's like if you've ever broken a bone or you have a headache. Your entire body is aware of the pain, right? And we, we understand this. And so Paul says, that's why we have equal concern. Because when one part is suffering, your whole body suffers. You know how big your little toe is. And if you drop something on that little toe, it causes your whole body to react. <laughs> Your vocal cords, four-letter words are just, right? Why? Because that little toe had this reaction. That's all Paul's saying. Have equal concern. Why? Because if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And he says, if one part rejoices, what happens? If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now listen, we are good at suffering with people. We're not so good about rejoicing with people. We're not so good at saying, good job, or thank you, or wow, that was excellent, or that was often awesome. We are more likely to criticize the faults than we are to praise and thank. It's how we are as humans. We like to mourn when people mourn because that makes us feel better about ourselves because we're not in that place. But we don't so much like to rejoice with people who are rejoicing because we're jealous, because they're getting some attention, or they did something that we can't do, or we feel that we would never be able to do. And so we're like, (laughs) Paul says, no, it's what equal, it's equal concern for each other. What does this have to do with me? Don't play favorites. You reach out and you minister to others. Get out of your huddle. Have a concern for people. Not just what they can do for you, but what you can do for them. We sometimes treat people as utilitarian. I'm only going to talk to you because I need something from you. But what if we treated people out of concern? Just for what we could give to them. A listening ear. A kind word. A word of encouragement. A word of thanks. And the list goes on and on and on. What a great place that would be in the body of Christ, where it's not just another thing from the world that has spiritual overtones, but it's truly the body of Christ. And here's why Paul says this. He says, you, you are the body of Christ. Verse 27, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, y'all, 
you all, is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles and gifts of healing, helping, guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Then he says, are all apostles? And the answer is, no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Paul is saying, no, no, no. There is not one gift that every believer has because we all need each other. There is nothing that we have that we don't need each other. And so he keeps asking these questions and he says, no, we don't have it all. He says, why? Because you are the body of Christ. It's you. It's you, Christian. You are, 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 are the body of Christ. And so he says in the very end, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Next week, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 13. But for right now, Paul says what? Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Do you know what the greater gifts are? This is the most excellent way that Paul is going to show us. Understanding... And using God's gifts in loving and others-centered ways. That's the most excellent way. Paul says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? It's that self-sacrificial, others-centered life. That's the most excellent way. We have to be aware of exalting and putting on uh, pedestals different parts of the body of Christ. But Paul says it's the self-sacrifice. It's the other-centered. In The Hidden Life of Trees, forester Peter Wollenbang says this. He writes about stumbling across a, a stump on the ground, and he first thought it was a ring of moss. But looking closer, he saw that there was actually green on the stump. And it led him to another series of discovery. And here's what he discovered. When one tree in the forest is diseased, the other trees will send critical nutrition through the interconnected root system and the, the uh, network on the forest floor, supporting the tree until it's well again. He said trees will also communicate with each other in this way. If a foreign invader, like a beetle, bores into one tree... Somehow that tree sends a signal through the connections to the other tree, through the, through the dead leaves on the ground and that dirt on the ground, and it signals that there is a danger. And so the, the forest responds by producing immune defenses. And as we walk through a forest, what we can look at is a forest appears to be individual trees, and they are, but there's also this hidden unseen connection underneath that's hidden from view, and it's this connection that makes the forest strong. And that's all Paul's saying in the body of Christ. It looks like we're individuals. It looks like we're those individual trees. But what happens is there's this interconnectedness of things we don't see, and that's what makes us strong. And so he says when one part suffers, what happens? Other parts suffer with it. When we rejoice, the other part. And when we, when we sacrifice and serve other people, we share these nutrients back and forth. And so the body of Christ is that place where we belong, where we're needed, where we have concern for one another. And it's that loving others' concern. And Jesus said this in John chapter 17. Look on your notes. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's you and I, that all of them may be what? One. He says, all of them may be one. It sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. There's that, there's what? That interconnectedness, that, that support. May they also be in us 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one. May They, as what? Plural, may be what? One. I in them, and you in me, there's a connectedness, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. How's the world going to know that Jesus, that God sent Jesus through a body of Christ who loves and is connected and is supporting and is one in him and one with him? That's what Jesus said the testimony was going to be. Divisions and fighting and, bicker, and, and bickering and, and selfishness and self-centeredness and, and all those things are contrary to what Jesus prayed for. So the way I love my body, the way I love the body of Christ is, is that I'm, in, I'm, I'm part of that interconnectedness. That I'm functioning with the function that I have, no matter what I think or, or who I am. But it's this, it's this interconnectedness. And who binds it all together? It's Jesus. It's Jesus who brings it all together. I said last week, and I, and I really mean this, we need to be part of, of a church because we need people to irritate us. Because that's how we grow. We just do. You stick it out through the long haul. You stick it out through the ups and the downs. And you stick it out through the hurts and the heartaches. And listen, if we ran from everything that happened to us, we would just be all by ourselves running somewhere. Real growth and real maturity only happens through the stick-withedness of working through it, of doing the hard thing and not avoiding but it's all one in Jesus. See what happens? And so in the body of Christ, I love the body by being part, and I'm connected, and I'm needed, and I'm concerned for the body of Christ. That's how I love the body. It's not just lip service. It's not just to say I love the body, but it's what I do with my life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Paul's encouragement to us today that no matter who we are or what we do, we are needed, and we, be, we belong. Father, the world wants to divide us. The world wants to just separate us because I'm not like so-and-so, or I don't do what so-and-so does. But, Father, you've reminded us that we, be, we belong to the body. We, we, we are here because you have placed us here. God, not only do I belong, but I'm needed. That if I don't function, if I don't do how you've created me, somebody's missing out on that. And I'm, I'm robbing them of the function that I have in the body. So, Father, over these next few moments, as we have opportunity just to remind ourselves again of who you are, you're that, that holy God who's created us, who's separate from us, but lives among us in Jesus. Father, we have a new love and, and just a new concern for the body, just love for people. Love for Jesus who binds us together. And so, Father, even through the hurts and the heartaches and all of those things that happen, that we still have the forgiveness and the grace and the love of Jesus that covers all those. Father, forgive us of our individualistic, go-it-alone mentality. Father, would you just really help us understand we need people, we need each other in the body. None of us has it all. None of us can do it all. It takes each part working together. 
So, Father, what a great privilege that you've even called us and brought us in because of Jesus. So these next few moments, will you show us, encourage us? God, just speak to us about who we are in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? Guys, we'll meet you in the back if you need prayer.